I've got a message entitled to you uh, specifically, what do you want? What do you want? And uh, this may sound very selfish to ask that question, but this is a question that Jesus asked us. So Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 7, he says, if you remain in me, abide in my word, or you remain in my word, ask whatever you want, and it shall be done for you. The one thing in common among those who are winning in life and those who are failing in life, those who are failing don't know what they want. Because how many know clarity is power? The more clear your future becomes, there's power with that. The more freedom you can see in your future of being free from drugs or alcoholism or some kind of addictions in your life. How many know when you know what you want, that's what separates the winners from those who are failing in life? Because anyone, there's one common denominator among those who are winning in life, and that's they know what they want. And how many know that Jesus wants you to know what you want in life? Now, there's a freedom in this, and he says, listen, if you will abide or remain in me and abide in my word, remain in my word, ask whatever you want, and it shall be given to you. In other words, there's a freedom knowing that if you are really walking with me and you're putting the word in you, then there is going to be a freedom that I trust you to just ask me what you want, and it shall be done for you. Why is it safe? Why is, it Jesus, why is Jesus feeling comfortable about saying this? It's because the Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. How many know that God, yes, it can be looked at in two different ways, that he will give you the desires of your heart. Whatever, whatever the desire of your heart is, do you want to be married? Do you want to have children? Do you want to have a, a, a certain career? I mean, what is it do you want? And you can look at it that he'll give you the desires of your heart. Or you can look at it in another perspective that if you delight yourself in the Lord, he gives you the desires that are in your heart. So he puts those desires. When you're abiding in him and you're abiding in his word, these desires that are in the word of God gets inside of you. So what's going inside of you is from him. And therefore, it's safe for him to say, now I trust you to take me and my word with you and to ask me whatever you want, and I will give it to you. How many know that he really does want to give us what we want in life? When we're in him, the word is abiding in us. He wants us to have what we want in life. Psalm 2.8 reminds us, and I love the message translation. It says, listen, it's, it's your birthday today. <laughs> it's your birthday. What do you want? You want the nation's? What do, you, do you want the continents to dance for you? Ask me, what do you want? And how many know that on your birthday, you always have a little bit of a sense of entitlement? You know what I'm talking about? Somebody says to you, hey, what do you want for your birthday this year? Do you want, do you want golf clubs? Do you want a, a new four-wheeler or a, a new boat? Or, you know, okay, or it could be something smaller, of course. But what do you want? And there's always that little bit of boldness inside of you that says, yeah, I'd like to have a new set of golf clubs or something. Because on your birthday, there's a little bit sense of entitlement that we sense to just have a little bit more nerve, a little bit more boldness. And that's what God's saying is, hey, today's your birthday. And by the way, you're going to be a day older tomorrow. Ask me again tomorrow because happy birthday. It's your birthday today. Tomorrow, guess what? It's going to be your birthday again. And tomorrow, the next day, it's going to be your birthday again. What do you want? Come to me with that little bit of sense of boldness and ask me, what do you want? Do you want the nations? Do you want the continents to dance for you? What do you want? God wants to hear you. What do you want? 
And we've got to know what we want in life in order to know the desired outcome. In order to win in life, we've got to know what the desired outcome is. What do we want? Turn to your neighbor, touch him on the shoulder and say, what do you want? (laughs) Winners focus on where they are going to and losers or failures focus on what they're going through. We've got to know where we are going in life, what we want in life. The question is, once again, what do you want? What is your desired outcome in life? In the next few moments, I'm going to give you an action plan that will help you to stay determined, to stay focused, to stay steadfast on the God-given dreams that God has put in your hearts for you to fulfill it and to make sure with all your faith and patience that it comes to fruition. How many are ready for this? Because how many know when you ask yourself the right questions in life, you can get the right answers? If you ask yourself the wrong questions, the brain will go into operation and tell you all the reasons why you can't have what you want in life. Why can I never lose weight? It's because you're a schmuck, you know? <laughs> why, why can I never, whatever it is, it's just like, if you ask yourself the wrong questions, you're going to get the wrong answers. We've got to ask ourselves the right questions. So the first question is, what do you want? You've got to know your desired outcome in life. God is saying to you, people, you've got to know what you want. You've got to know the desired outcome. And when you're in consistent fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, he's going to put those God-given dreams inside of you so you know what you want in life. The next question is, why? Why? So if you just say, I, I want to be rich someday. Oh, wow. That's really defined clearly. <laughs> what do you define as rich? Okay. What does rich mean to you? Let me put it this way. How many know that when you get a little bit more intelligent, you want more intelligence because there's always another higher level to go? How many know that when you give, it feels really good and you want to give some more? How many know that when you become generous, you want to go to another level of generosity? How many know that when you show kindness, you know there's always another level of kindness? How many know that when you show love, you want to show more love because there's always another level of highness, of highness that you can go to, another level, a whole new chapter? So if you're always defining yourself as what you are going to become or if that's where you're finding your significance in life or what you're going to become, and that's where you're in a sense your satisfaction, your happiness, you're always going to be unsatisfied because you're going to feel poor. Because I don't care how rich you want to become, if you're sitting there saying, I I just want to be wealthy, I, I just want to be rich, well, how do you define rich? How do you define being wealthy? What does that look like to you? Because there's always going to be another level. Once you get to that level, you're going to want to go to the next level. I'm not saying this is bad in any way, shape, or form. It's growth. Growth is good. God wants us to grow and keep becoming more generous, becoming more financially free. But that's the question I think we need to look at. Why do we want to become rich? I want to be financially free. Good. That's a little bit more defined. Financially free so I can build more orphanages. So I can help build more churches. So I can do more for the kingdom of God. Now we're getting a little bit more clarity. Why do you want to be rich? And what do you define as rich? You want to become financially free. You don't want to be a slave to the lender anymore. You don't want want to be a borrower anymore. 
You want to understand this whole concept of Romans 13, 8. Owe no man anything but to love one another. You want that financial freedom because you don't want to be in bondage anymore. And that's good. That's God. But if you wait to define your significance as that what you are becoming someday, you'll always live a very unsatisfied life because there's always going to be higher levels. So in other words, you get to this level and you're still going to feel poor because there's always somebody that's a little further ahead than you. Growth is good, but we need to know why. Why do you want to be financially free? So you can do more. you got to know what your desired outcome is. What do you want and why? The why is what makes you cry. If you could do anything in this world and money was not an issue, what would you do? This is getting more defined, isn't it? What inspires you? What motivates you in life? Because if this isn't big enough, the why isn't big enough, and I just want to be rich, that's not going to motivate you. But if you've got a desired outcome, because I want to, I want to build more churches, I want to raise up uh, more missionaries, I want to do more for the kingdom of God, I want to reach more people for Christ. Now you've got more of a desired outcome of the why, and it's going to help you to stay steadfast during those difficult moments in life. You've got to know the why behind the what. To keep you going in life. This is called an action plan. And I need for our people, I need for us, I need for myself to always know what is the purpose. Why did we start High Point Church? Well, to reach people for Christ. We believe we can take this message and we can reach the world with it. Through live streaming, social media. So this leads me to the next step. The approach. Because how many know that once you know what you want and why you want, then there has to be massive what? Action. Action, but I'm not going to use the word action. I'm going to use the word approach today because how many know that sometimes we have to change the approach because if you're chasing the sunset going east, you're never going to see it. Sometimes people are like, well, I've tried this. This is what I want. This is why I want it. And this is my action, my approach. And I've tried a million things. Seriously, a million things? Well, okay, tens of thousand things. Tell me a thousand well, okay, maybe a hundred. Okay, tell me a hundred things. Okay, I've tried these two things and it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, I'm talking about changing up our approach at times if something is not working. We know what we want and why we want it. Sometimes we need to change our approach so we can stay focused on what we want. There's this life coach that Amy and I listen to on a regular basis. And he was telling us that one time he wanted to learn how to race race cars. And so he had his trainer in this race car with them, and they were going 140 miles per hour, going straight at the wall. And, of course, there's this corkscrew left that he has to take really quick, and his heart's starting to beat because he's getting really, really close to the wall. And right at the last second, of course, the trainer turns the wheel, and they turn, and they just miss the wall by, you know, just inches. It's like, and his heart's just beating, and he finishes the lap, and he gets out of the car. The trainer looks at him, and he says, I'm going to teach you to do this in four days. And he's thinking, there's no way I could do this in four days. He said, no, but I'm going to do it. And the reason why you're afraid is because you're concerned that when you lose control, you won't know what to do. He said, but if you know what to do when you lose control in life, and how many know that there are times where we feel like we're losing control in life as parents, as husbands, wives, whatever it is, you know, at times it feels like you're out of control. And what we fear is the unknown. How do I get back in control in life? How do I get back on the course in life? 
And so he said, that's what you're afraid of. But if I can teach you how to get back on course in life, will that be more comfortable for you? And he said, yes. So he says, okay, I want you to get in the driver's seat thing. And he's like, okay, you take the road and you go. So he's getting comfortable. And how many know that when you have a good trainer, they're going to not wait when you're really, they're going to wait until you, let me put it this way, that you're really comfortable, that you're getting really settled in. It's like, you're like, okay, this is comfortable. I'm, I'm doing a pretty good job. I'm getting real comfortable. And all of a sudden they hit the what? The out of control button at that moment, don't they? A real good trainer will do that when you're least expecting it. So sure enough, guess what he does? He hits the out of control button when he's least expecting. And now what does he do? He focuses on the wall that he's coming right at. His heart's beating like this. And he's looking at the wall rather than where he wants to go. This is what the trainer does. Turns his head to get him back on what he wants in life. And he said he fought it so hard because he wanted to look at the wall because he was out of control. And how many know that when you're out of control, we tend to gravitate towards fear. And what we fear greatly is what's going to come upon us, as Job said. So he's looking at the wall. He wants to face his death. He doesn't want to turn away from it. He wants to look at death coming at him. But the trainer forces his head to look to the left of where he wants to go. And finally, within just... Uh, just a few inches, they were able to make the turn, and they saved both of their lives. And his heart's beating. He said, did you learn from your mistake? You've got to know where you want to go, not where you don't want to go. You've got to keep your eyes on where you want to go in life. Is anybody receiving something out of this right now? Because this is going to help y'all. And so this is exactly what he did. He said, did you learn from that? And he said, yes, yes, I've learned from it. Well, he said he really didn't. Three or four more times, he did the same thing. As soon as he hit the out-of-control button, he went where? His eyes went where? Right at the wall. Off the course of where he wanted to go. How many have ever noticed that all the fatal accidents that take place in the earth? (laughs) I don't care. There's a car. Let's say it's a Porsche. And they're cruising down the road. And every quarter of a mile, there's a light pole. And then you come upon the scene or you see someone being, you know, rescued out of the situation. And they hit the what? The light pole or the tree or the telephone pole. Why? Because when you're out of control in life, the natural tendency is to look at what you don't want in life rather than what you want. That's what fear does to us. Fear causes us. Look at Peter. What happened to him? He was looking at Jesus. His eyes were focused on Jesus. He wanted to walk on water like Jesus. And the moment that he took his eyes off of Jesus, what happened? He began to sink. Because the natural tendency is to look at what you don't want rather than what you don't, you do want. And that's why you've got to have a trainer in life that will turn your head and get you focused so that way you stay the course. And that's why when you are in fellowship with Jesus on a consistent basis, he's going to turn your head at times because you're going to naturally gravitate when there's a moment where you feel like you're out of control. You're going to look at that wall rather than where you want to go. And if you can get to the point where you're focused on where you want to go rather than where you don't want to go, you're going to win the race. And you're going to finish your course with joy. But you've got to learn that there are times in life that you've got to know what you want, why you want it, and what approach sometimes you're going to need to change up in order to stay focused and determined in life. How many have ever heard of Sylvester Stallone? Rocky. You know what I'm talking about? Sylvester Stallone, some of you probably don't know the story, but Sylvester Stallone, one of the reasons why he spoke the way he did and he kind of had that look on his face is because when he was born, the doctor had two different forceps. They had to pull him out with two different sets of forceps. So he was paralyzed in part of his face and part of his tongue is actually paralyzed. 
So he kind of had this look on his face that didn't make him look very bright. And he spoke very much with like kind of a slow speech impediment. And he knew what he wanted in life, though. His lifelong dream was always to be a, in the movies, and he wanted to be an actor. That's what he wanted. He wanted to be in the movies. And the reason, the why, so he knew what he wanted, but he wanted to know what was the reason, what's behind it, why, what's going to motivate him to keep doing what he was doing, to pursue his dreams. The why behind it is he wanted to inspire people. Not only give them a place to escape kind of thing, but he wanted to inspire people to fulfill their God-given dreams because there's a lot of things in his own life. And even though he may not have lived the perfect life, I mean, he came back to his faith later on in life. But the fact was is that he knew what he wanted and why. He wanted to inspire people because he had a lot of obstacles that he had to overcome in his own personal life. And so he wanted to encourage other people, you can overcome the obstacles as well. And so he went from acting business to the acting business and the acting business. And he was telling uh, this friend of his one day, he said, he, he wanted to know. He said, are these, you know, things that people say about you really true? And he said, yeah. He said, I actually did. I got kicked out of, in New York, out of 1,500 places. And he said, there aren't 1,500 acting businesses in New York. And he said, I know, but some of them I went to five or nine times each. He said, one time I stayed, I got there at 4 o'clock and I'm like, no, we don't want you. You can't speak right. You don't look right. You are not an actor. We don't want you. And he sat there. The guy wouldn't even see him. And it was 4 o'clock. And he slept there the entire night. And finally, they got so frustrated. This was before Rocky. And he came back the next morning. And Sylvester Stallone is sitting there in the chair still. He said, fine, get in here. And gave him like a 20-second part where they thought, you know, he was like a thud and he got beat up on. That was, you know, another movie. that they, There was a couple times where he, you know, nobody knew who he was. Nobody wanted to know who he was in the acting business. So he realized he needed to change his approach because nobody was letting him in. So what did he do? He goes, he was so dirt poor, and his wife was yelling at him, like, go get a job. And his friend was like, why didn't you go get a job? And he said, I knew if I went and got another, another job, I'd lose that hunger that I have for my dreams. I knew I'd be seduced back into that lifestyle, and I didn't want that. I wanted to be in the movies. So he went to the public library one day because they had no heat in their house. And he read a poem, and that poem so inspired him that he realized, I want to inspire the world with writing. And so after much more challenging situations, even hawking his own wife's jewelry, which he said later, you don't, one thing you don't do, you don't do that. <laughs> that was about the end of his relationship with her. She didn't like him at all after that. But he got to the lowest point in his life where he ended up selling his dog, you know, with the one person, you could say, the one thing that loved him unconditionally. He was at the lowest point. He cried. And uh, to make a long story short, he read that poem, and he was inspired, and he said, I can write. What if I just wrote? And what happened is he was watching Muhammad Ali one day and this white guy named Webner, and Webner was getting just the tar beat out of him. And uh, Muhammad Ali was just pouncing on this guy and all of a sudden, Sylvester Stallone had this inspiration come over him, and he wrote for 20 straight hours the movie Rocky. And he went into these places to see if they'd buy his script, and they're like, no, this is too sappy, this is too predictable, it stinks. And he wrote all these things down because on the night that they won the Oscars, he read all those things that they said about him. <laughs> but to make, you know, just the whole concept behind it, finally he found somebody that said, we love it, we'll give you $125,000 for the script. And he said, you know, at that time, he didn't even have $25 in his pocket. He was so poor. That reason why he had to sell his dog because he couldn't even feed his dog. And so 
he uh, said, yes, but I will be the main actor in the movie. And they're like, no, you are not going to be in this movie. You can't, you're not an actor, you're a writer. No, I'm an actor. And I will be in this movie. He said, no deal. And they said, no deal. And he said, well, if you don't want me in the movie, then you can't have the script either. A few weeks later, they call him back into the office and they get, offer him a quarter of a million dollars. This guy's got nothing. He's dirt poor. And he said, not unless I'm in the movie, no deal. A few weeks later, they call him back and they said, okay, final offer, $325,000 for the script. He said, if I'm in the movie, I'll take it. No, <laughs> that's for you to stay out of the movie. We'll give you $325,000 for the script, but you have to stay out of the movie. No deal. He said, they finally compromised. They said, okay, we just don't think you can do this. We're going to be totally honest with you. We don't think that you're an actor. We don't think you can do it. They wanted to hire someone like Ryan O'Neill. And uh, to make a long story short, they ended up compromising. They said, okay, well, we, we are not going to lose everything. We'll give you $35,000. We'll put you in the acting. We'll put you in this. But we don't want to fail, so we're not going to pay you the kind of money that we normally would. They put a million dollars into it, but that movie grossed over $200 million. What did he do with the $35,000? His friend said, did you go out and party? What did you do with it? He said, I went back to where I sold that dog of mine, and I tried to find my dog. Three days later, I found the man who I sold the dog to. And he says, sir, I know you probably love this dog. You remember me? I'm the one that sold it to you. He said, I love that dog. I need to have my dog back. He said, no way. He said, I'll give you $100 for it. He paid you know, $25 for it. He said, no deal. He knew he had to change his approach to get what he wanted. I'll give you $500 for the dog. No deal. I'll give you $1,000 for the dog. No amount of money will buy this dog back. No, he's my dog. He had him for a month and a half. He fell in love with this dog. So his friend said, what did you do? He said, well, I knew I had to change my approach to get what I wanted. Well, how much did you end up paying him for the dog? $15,000. A part in the movie Rocky... So, so the man's in the movie, and his dog, by the way, is in the movie too. But that's what, sometimes in life, we've got to know what we want, why do we want it, but sometimes we've got to change our approach. When we realize that sometimes when we're chasing the sunset going east, we have to open up our eyes and say, maybe we're going in the wrong direction. Maybe if I just change the approach, I can still get what I want in life that God has put in my heart and the why behind it is going to help you to find out what that approach is. If you know the why and it's what makes you cry, when I think about Amy and I, I think about the times, the many times that we see these situations. God puts us in situations where sometimes it's like we see a husband and wife, a father and mother who split up, and now the kids are being put from one house to the other, and we see these little kids crying. They're like, they don't want to leave daddy, but they don't want to not be with mommy either. They want to be with mommy, but they don't want the fact that they don't want to be apart from each other. So we see these kids crying, going from one car to another. It's like, you know what? That makes Amy and I cry. And that's why we, to this day, continue to teach each and every one of us here at High Point Church and out in the sound, anybody that hears the, the, our voice on social media and so on, we are teaching marriage and family relationship skills here at this church. And the reason is because the why behind it motivates us to keep changing up their approach. So whether we're writing books 
we're uh, uh, doing podcasts, which we're planning on launching here shortly in the next few months. Uh, we're, you know, teaching it here. We're going to keep bringing marriage and family relationship skills because we realize that America, and including this world, is hurting, and it hurts us when we see these kids being separated. Now, can we save every marriage and every family? No, we realize we can't, but if we can save one family at a time, praise God for that. Amen? You've got to know why you want what you want. Maybe you want to raise up champions for Christ, soul winners for Christ. Well, what, how hungry, how bad do you want it? Are you reading parenting books? Are you listening to audible books online Are you on parenting? How bad do you want a great marriage? Because now you've got to define the outcome. You don't want to go through what you've been through, and you've been through a divorce multiple times. It's like, I don't want this anymore. Well, how bad do you want a great marriage then? Because how bad you want it, you're going to go after it. But if you feel like you're failing in life, guess what you're going to go away from then? My people perish because of lack of knowledge. It's not that they don't want more knowledge. It's that they're afraid because if they get out of control again, they don't know how to get back on course. And so that's why we sit there and scratch our head like, why aren't you growing in parenting skills? If you've got problems, why aren't you learning to become a better parent? If you are having marital problems, how many marriage books are you reading right now? How many, how many CDs, teachings, you know, how many... How many messages on marriages do you have loaded onto your podcast or onto your iPod or iPhone, whatever it is? I mean, how much? How bad do you want it? Because the why is there, but does it make you cry at the thought of seeing other people go through what they're going through and you want to rise up and become that inspiration? Because, listen, God has created you for more than a purpose than what you think and realize. God's plans for your life are so bright and so powerful and so profound. The challenge, though, is just get under the teachers. Because the flesh wants to gravitate towards what the flesh wants. And fear will keep pulling us towards that wall rather than where we want to go in life. And so if we don't want to keep failing in life, we've got to make a decision. What do I want? Why do I want it? And what's the approach? Because what I have been doing doesn't seem to be working, so I need to change up the plan. So let's go back to talking about a diet for a moment. Maybe somebody wants to lose weight, so they've got the what? I want to lose weight. The why? So I can live long and be satisfied, and I'm healthier, so I can enjoy my great-grandkids and my grandkids, so I have the why I want to, but the word when I say diet just sounds bad. Die it? It sounds like I'm going to die. Well, maybe diets haven't been working. So what inspires you? What motivates you to want to get the why behind the what? Maybe you can change the approach and maybe, just maybe, you enjoy playing basketball a little bit. Maybe you could just Two or three times a week, play basketball with your kids or play basketball with some people that you don't know. Maybe you can make some new friends or maybe you can play basketball two or three times a week with some friends and, hey, you can build some great memories doing it. So maybe the approach is wrong, what you've been doing before, trying this diet and trying this diet and trying this diet. Maybe you need to do something that's more fun for you so you can overcome whatever that obstacle is. Are you following me? So the approach... I didn't use the word action because I understand faith without works is dead. But if the action that you're doing, chasing the sunset, going east, isn't working, then sometimes you need to change the approach so you still get what you want 
because the why is big enough. Think about Jesus. His primary mission here on the earth was to what? To lay down his life for us, die on the cross so we'd miss hell and gain heaven. And in the process of all this, he wanted, us to re- he wanted to, for us to be revealed to the Father's love. But how many know that Jesus knew what he wanted and why he wanted it? But he also had to make a decision to follow the approach, the plan that God had for him. Because there are moments in life where we just want to quit and throw in the towel because the what is big and the why is big, but the approach doesn't always seem like the best approach too. So sometimes we do have to sacrifice because we are doing the right thing, but it's not easy. Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane said what? Father, if there's any other way around this, nevertheless, your will be done. And what did he do? He went to the cross anyway. But this is where you need to understand that the why is just as powerful as the approach and the what. Because he did it because he endured the cross because he could see what? The joy set before him. He could see that on the other side of those sacrificing of oh man, I really want that Twinkie. I really want that cake. I really want that. The flesh is crying out, I want it, I want it, I want it. But you understand the why behind it is because if I have the why fulfilled of being able to play actively with my grandkids when I'm 80 and 90 years old, boy, the why excites me. And, you know, okay, I'm going to lay down what I want. I'm going to pick up the cross and say no to the flesh and yes to the cross of what the flesh wants. You know, you know what I'm saying is that We sometimes have to pin our flesh to the cross. And I get that. The approach sometimes isn't always the easiest. But if you could do something that will help, great. Praise God for that. If it's basketball or playing games outside or doing something, change up the approach that will keep you inspired. But also keep the why big because he could see you set free. Jesus could see you set free. He could see the relationships restored between his father and you. He could see you raised up, seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He could see you winning in life and having life and life more abundantly. So the why behind the approach was worth it to him. So what, why, and the approach is it getting where we want to go in life? And how bad do we want it? Jesus said to me, and I want you to understand this, this isn't always going to be easy. So I'm giving you an action plan, but I also understand it's not going to be easy. But Jesus said these words. He said, before your greatest breakthrough comes the greatest amount of resistance. Before your greatest breakthrough, the greatest miracles in life, comes the greatest amount of resistance. To the flesh, of course. And so there's going to be resistance There's going to be things trying to fight you back, to get you to compromise, to settle for less than God's best. But God says, no, keep coming, keep paddling, keep keep coming forward. I heard about these two frogs. They fell into cream. The one frog said, it's no use. We're not getting out of here. And he sank to his death. The other frog, I think he had been coming to High Point Church, and he said, I refuse to give up. I will keep paddling And keep paddling as long as I can. And that little frog kept paddling and kept paddling. And all of a sudden it got thicker and got thicker. And it it was harder to paddle. How many know the greatest amount of resistance comes right before your greatest miracles in life? That little frog kept paddling and kept paddling. And it kept getting thicker and kept getting thicker. It kept getting harder and harder. But eventually he turned into butter and he jumped out. There is something about staying determined, staying focused to get what you want and because the why is so big and sometimes the approach isn't always going to be easy. But if you will keep at it, God will take you places you never dreamed possible. Amen? Listen, I'm going to close with this thought. Sir Edmund Hillary, 
the first man to climb Mount Everest. His first attempt didn't go well. In fact, he lost one of his crew members. And he was over in, I believe it was like England or London one day. London, uh, he was there and reporters overheard him. He was looking at a picture on the wall of Mount Everest. And he saw this picture and the reporters just overheard him. And he said these words, Mount Everest, you have defeated me, but I will return. You can't get any bigger, but I can. I can't promise you that your mountains are going to get smaller in life. Your obstacles are going to get smaller. But I can promise you, you can get bigger in life. And you can overcome your obstacles. If you keep growing, how bad do you want it? If you keep investing in yourself, if you keep getting bigger on the inside, that mountain's going to get smaller and smaller and smaller. And listen, when you're at the point where you're like, God, nevertheless, your will be done. Psalm 51 verse 10 says, renew a right persevering, steadfast spirit within me because sometimes that's just what we need. God, I need you to refresh me. I need you to strengthen me. I need that journey not to only be enduring all the time, but I need to enjoy. I need to get refreshed. And so I come back to you today with a spirit of refreshing. And I believe that some of you, and this is a word I shared with our leaders the other night, that you've been refreshing others. But God today is going to turn the tide and he's going to cause people to come into your life to refresh you. If you receive this, will you say amen? amen. Would you bow and close your eyes, please? Father, we thank you so much for our time together today. We thank you for helping us to stay steadfast, to know the what we want in life, the why, and the approach or approaches. And today, it's my prayer that over your people, that they would be refreshed. That these summer months would be a season of being completely renewed and strengthened and encouraged and empowered. A time of refreshing where people will be sent into their life to refresh them, to encourage them, to lift their hands as Moses had. Lord, I thank you for a time of refreshing because I sense in my spirit that many, many, many are about to receive their miracles. Their breakthroughs are just on the other side and the resistance has increased, the intensity has increased, but today I break the power of that in the name of Jesus. And I declare no weapon formed against your people will prosper in Jesus' glorious name. I want to ask with just a moment longer, if you just stay with us for a few more minutes here. Where are you at in your relationship with Jesus? Have you made the decision to accept him? Because you can do nothing without him, but with him you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You're more than conquerors through Christ who loves you. But the question is, is he first and foremost in your life? That's why he says, if you abide in me, if you remain in me and remain in my word, then ask whatever you want. It will be done for you. But it starts with, do you have Jesus in your life? Where are you at in your relationship with him? Maybe today you want to turn up the intensity because you know that you're not necessarily way backslidden, but you're not where you once were. Are you at peace with God? If you died today, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? 
on either one of those occasions, whether it's a first-time decision of accepting Christ or you need to recommit your life to the Lord Jesus, it would be my honor and my privilege to introduce you to my very best friend, and his name is Jesus. So with every head bowed and every eye closed all over this auditorium today, if that's you and you're saying, Pastor, pray for me, I want to accept Christ or I want to recommit my life to the Lord Jesus. If that's you, would you slip up your hands all over this room, just acknowledging, I want Jesus in my life or I want to recommit my life to the Lord. Thank you so much for your honesty. I appreciate it. I know it takes courage to do that. Anyone else? There's already hands going up, but anyone else? You're saying, Pastor, pray for me too. Okay, excellent. Let's do this. Let's take a moment and pray with all those who are making that quality choice and that decision. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. doesn't matter what you've done right or wrong. All that matters is what Jesus Christ has done right for you. Would you put a hand on your heart? Pray with those that are making that decision this morning. Let's be an encouragement to them as we call on Jesus together. Would you pray this prayer? Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, come into my heart. I accept you as my Lord, my Savior, and my best friend. Thank you for dying on the cross for all of my sins. I commit my life to you now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Congratulations. We just want to take a moment to commend you. and. Congratulate you.